0: industrial design journey
1: hi and welcome back to another episode of industrial design journey i'm evan again joined with lane and today we have the pleasure of interviewing drew brant a uh, former icc grad drew how you doing
2: Doing good. How are you guys doing?
1: Doing all right. <laughs> Trying doing to. Doing great. Yep. And I was just wondering if you could give us a little bit uh, introduction like of yourself and where you are like right now, like what's life looking like.
2: Oh. Uh, okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> Sorry. Man. How how far do you, how far do you want me to go back? Um.
1: Well, you know, let's just start at the beginning. Actually, let's do that. Um, <laughs> at the beginning. So how were you born? I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> so,
2: Whole yeah. life story. Here
1: um, How did you learn about industrial <laughs> design?
2: Um let's see. okay, so I guess I guess we will go kind of far back with this because i when when I was little, um, I I guess you, you guys know like a lot of people approach industrial design kind of from one of two places, either like an arts mindset or a very like engineering focused mindset. Maybe not everyone's that way, but it seems like a lot of people fall in those camps, mm-hmm. and I was on the the art side of it. I loved painting and drawing and. And anything, anything crafty, I was all in on it. And my mom was was big on art; she studied it in school, um, so she kind of like fostered that as I was growing up. And I was like, "Well, I'm going to be a painter when I grow up, obviously, because <laughs> big you know, money I in like that. My watercolors. Big money in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, I realized in high school, um, I I wasn't like like a pure art kid. I was, like, one of those weird art kids that kind of liked math and, like, <laughs> I kind of liked doing all, like, the trig functions and and calculus and stuff, so I definitely didn't fit in. And I was like, well, this is kind of weird. I've got this, like, other side of me that enjoys kind of this more analytical approach to things, um, this problem solving. Um, and I'm trying to think. When I was looking for for schools to go to in college, I, I met, um, I don't know if you guys... I don't think he works at Cedarville anymore. I met um, a guy named Terry Chamberlain who was head of the design program then. And I was like, I was wanting to check out the um, the art program and kind of telling him what I'm telling you now. And he's like, you know, you should check out this new program that just got started called um, the Industrial Design Program. And he just told me all about it. And it kind of like blew my mind. Like, whoa, like there's there's a place for people like me who, you know, like like people like us who like enjoy this like problem solving and we like adding extra problems to our, our artwork or, or however you want to approach it. Um, and it just seemed like a really cool fit. And anyway, studied that in college and have enjoyed it since. So that's kind of
0: the the backstory on how I discovered, you know, the discipline. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Uh, that must have been like a like a kind of a aha moment when you like arrive at the ICC and you see all these people like in their workstations and they're doing crazy things. So how was your experience at the ICC, and uh, what what did you really, like, what were the big things that you learned there?
2: Um, yeah, it was, it definitely was, like, a big moment, you know, realizing, like, I'm sure you guys run into this all the time, like, when people are talking about industrial design, like, like they're like, oh, what is that? Like, do you, do you design factories? Or- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yep. yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you design industrials? <laughs> um <laughs> um so, anyway, it, it was, like, it was, I forget where I was going. Um, uh, it, was, it was cool going there and seeing, like, it, people who are, um, you know, working on, working on products. Oh, that's where I was going. Like, I didn't realize before going to school that, like, man, everything you see that you can buy in a store, like, was designed by somebody. Like, even the, the simplest things that we take for granted, like, somebody, you know, was spinning that thing around in a 3D model for weeks, you know, making little decisions about this and that, and, and there's so much thought that goes into it, um, and it was just, it was really fun to to kind of step into that that world that, like, so many people don't know about, but affects, you know, every, every bit of their life every single day, um, and I think that, I mean, that's, that's one thing I, I really loved about being at the ICC, is just learning, you know, like how much decision making goes into every project you do, you know, in school and then and then even after school, um, and kind of kind of just learning all those tiny little nuances of of design language and and how it how it ends up in the product at the very end.
0: Mm. Yeah, for sure.
1: Um, that that's kind of the deceptive thing about industrial design. I've noticed, like when I was originally looking into uh, industrial design. I had a friend of – he was actually on the podcast, Grant Solar, and he would post stuff on his Instagram story of all these just like cool sketches across his desk. And that's the part that like appealed to me initially because I was always drawing, doodling, doing stuff like that. And like, oh, you can make stuff look really cool. Then the more, you more, the more and more you get into it, the more you start realizing how much thought and attention is behind like each line and detail. And especially uh, now as I've gotten to look into the industry more and more, it is, you know, the aspects of the business that you need to take into account just by designing some things, like each line can add cost to a product and understanding the whole beginning to end process of a product has been really cool to learn um, throughout this journey. And so you mentioned you were kind of like, you know, artsy, but you had like that, uh, logic side you know you like the math and practical things and uh how did that like manifest in terms of like your interest like was there an industry that you found yourself leaning into or like helped uh get you into industrial design to begin with
2: um you know i i never like i think it took me through my whole time at school to kind of figure out what industry i was interested in um Because I I feel like, like, you know, if you Google search industrial design, like, you'll get, like, mostly pictures of, like, really sexy looking drills and cars. Like, I feel like, I feel like those are always, like, everyone does, like, a project where they redesign the the next hand drill. Armchairs. And, and, yeah, 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 chairs too. That's, like, (laughs) there's, like, there's a couple, like, icons of industrial design that, like, everyone's at least done, you know, a project for school on. And I don't I don't know how it's set up for you guys now, but we did um we did like modules on interior, exterior, automotive, and product were the main ones we covered. <clears throat> it sounds like you guys are doing some more stuff like like soft goodsy stuff and uh and shoes and all that, which is awesome. Um so when I was when I was going through those, it was like it was kinda like every one, I was like Like we start, I feel like I think we started with um with automotive, and I was like, shoot, I want to like I want to design cars. This is amazing. This is so much fun. I love drawing these. This is so cool. And then like, and then we get to product, and I'd be like, oh, this is awesome. (laughs) I love working. Like like every every single one I get into, I'd be like, I'm gonna be an architect. I'm gonna be a product. I'm gonna be a you know. Um. So I, I really liked and enjoyed all of them. Um, but it wasn't until uh. I guess this is, this will kind of get into capstones a little bit, but when I was, when I was like, or actually by the time I finished my portfolio, I looked at all of my work and like everything I compiled together. And like, I didn't do this intentionally, but all of the products ended up being, um, things for children, like toys and forts and stuff. And it it just kind of all came together. And I was like, I guess, I guess I want to (laughs) work in the, in the children's industry and design stuff for kids. Um, and, like, it's just, like, my work ended up reflecting that, like, in retrospect. And that's how I kind of at least, you know, found where I, where I was and where I wanted to apply to. I probably didn't have a very good portfolio to apply <laughs> anywhere else anyway, you know. I probably couldn't apply to a bunch of car companies <laughs> and I've just got, like, little action figures and, and whatnot in my portfolio. So that's kind of how I found I found what I liked, but I really enjoyed all the aspects of it and how... How each one is each one is different. Um, how each one makes people feel, like the way products are small and like very personal, and then you move into cars, which are this like kind of funky crossover between like an interior emotional space mm-hmm. and a product at the same mm-hmm. time, and then you move into like buildings that like, for me, have like the most the highest level of like emotional connection to but much less like you're much less sweating the, the tiny details like you are with with products so anyway moving through all of those different categories um, was really fun to me and I, I thought I, I I take took aspects of all of them as I was, as I was going through them but found myself in, in toys at least up until this point
0: nice so like that's a, a really good segue into kind of like kind of where we are and what we're interested in um, your capstone project tell us a little bit about like kind of what you were thinking as you were starting your capstone and what it ended up being and what you learned about it
2: yeah it was i'm sure you guys are going through this right now but like it was a grind to figure out what i wanted to do and it felt like every time i like found something i like wanted like gabe or someone from the icc would be like would just ask me some like annoying question that would make me like you know second guess it it was it was great it was a good exercise to like you know really think about it but it's like ugh, just like just let me land on something and, and commit to it but they're always like but is that really the problem you're trying to solve or is it this and like they'd like you know take out my legs from under me and be like Whoa. you know like like juke me out and like i'd find out that's not really what i was trying to solve is something else um, but it's just it man it took it felt like it took months of of just asking questions and researching things um i went through so many different i had this idea at one point where i wanted to build a an ultralight plane do you guys know what those are mm. that, they're us more like about um it. i i'm gonna i'm gonna mess this up if someone who knows more about aviation is listening to this but basically they're like they're like tiny planes that have i think less than like a five gallon tank of gas they mm. don't require any pilot's license or really any license at all. So you could, you could be 10 years old and fly. (laughs) That's a different type of children's toy.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah.
2: This was before, this was before I was in, I was doing children's toys. Um, but anyway, I had this idea. I'm like, I want to like design and build an ultralight plane for my capstone and like fly it. I don't know, (laughs) fly it from Cedarville to Columbus or something. And I even we even went out to this airfield somewhere south of Columbus and met with this guy who who owned a bunch of ultralights. I was I was really set on it for a minute and then and then I realized it would cost me way too much money. And <laughs> it was it was kind of a, a long shot of a project, but anyway, that's a long segue. Um, but yeah, I just had a bunch of a bunch of ideas for different things, um, and I think where I what eventually led me down like kind of the rabbit hole of questions is I. Gabe was asking me, like, what do you want to solve? What do you want to fix? Um, and the problem I wanted to, to solve was, like, why, or, or the question I was asking is, like, why, um, why don't children spend as much time outdoors as they used to?
0: Mm.
2: At least in my mind, that, was, that mm-hmm. was true. You know, I feel like a lot of us have this perception that kids, kids don't spend as much time outdoors as, you know, we used to. And I started researching it. I, I found out that it was true. Like children do spend way less time outdoors and kind of started picking at that question and why it was. And there's, there were so many different avenues to to go down as to why kids weren't playing outside. But one, one reason I kind of latched onto was that they didn't have, they didn't have access to, to fun ways to play in nature. And that kind of reduced the you know the desire to go out if there wasn't a lot of fun to be to be had outside in their backyards. Um, and I was like, well, what could you make to to you know it, you know encourage kids to spend more time outdoors? And I was like, well, nothing beats like a tree fort, like and nothing's more intimate than like within nature than than a tree fort. So like, what if I designed a, a tree fort for kids? And then as I was researching that, I was like, why don't people have tree forts anymore? And a big reason I found was that. Um, a lot of parents don't have like the construction skills that parents of previous generations had. So, so really my concepts was like, I want to design a tree fort that can, that is, um, I don't know if modular is the word, uh, basically can be, it's kind of like the Ikea furniture of, of tree forts. It can be set up in a tree without any power tools, mm. um, by, you know, anyone who's got like... A wrench and it doesn't it doesn't harm the tree it's not it's not drilled into it. it doesn't damage it it can be taken down when families move and put up in the next tree and that was that was kind of the wow. concept i started with and and built on from there
1: wow i'm a, i i'm really curious i want to like hear more about this so like how what problems did you like bump in or bump into when you were going through that process because that idea is a great idea but there's Oh, like a lot of research project like the research part of projects turn into is like oh somebody's tried to do something like this or there's a little yeah. bit of that and then you kind of understand why this mm-hmm. isn't the biggest thing on the market but I want to hear what that process was like
2: yeah there there were so yeah there were a bunch of things and I think I think like designers probably run into this their entire life where they're they think like they they've got the biggest problem <laughs> in the world to solve. Yep. Mm-hmm. They're like I'm going to I'm going to save everyone with this <laughs> idea. And then like you do like five Google searches and you're like, oh, <laughs> yep. it's on Kickstarter. Yep. <laughs> like come on. Yeah. Um you no, know, I I was I was trying to I I think that's honestly what led me to the the tree fort because when I'm thinking back, originally I was like I was trying to think of other ways to to encourage kids to spend time outdoors and a lot of them a lot of the things I was thinking of were, like, like I had this one idea for, like, like tinker toys, but way bigger and big enough that you could build your own, like, bikes and trikes and vehicles mm. yourself um, that kids could do and ride around on. And then, you know, I did some searching, and sure enough, it, it already existed. <laughs> someone's already done that. So there, there were a bunch of those solutions where I was like, I've got it. And then, you know, five searches later, I, I realized someone, someone's already done it. Um, but when I got to the, the tree one, I think there were, I think there were a lot of solutions out there, um, but they weren't really geared toward, toward children. Um, a lot of them were like, like geared toward hunters, like tree stands, Mm. tree blinds, um, or, or they're kind of, um really sophisticated plans for like adults who want to build like a almost like a vacation home tree house there were there are all these like as you, as i got deeper into the world of trees and tree forts there are all these different like very niche categories for it but i couldn't find like a really good one for kids um so that was kind of like it was like i just kept digging and getting narrower and narrower until i found this like this spot that like felt like you know it needed a solution and it was it was kind of a blank space to to carve out my own idea and the more i've the the more i've looked into it um like i found there are still (laughs) even still more people doing doing stuff like that i'm like not the only one um but it I, i think i got to that that sweet spot of like um this feels like um specific enough that i can i can create like one small solution to this giant problem mm. um, that that hasn't been at least over overly addressed.
0: Mm. Nice. So then, how how did you take the final capstone that you came up with this design for a tree fort, and like how did that guide you towards where you are now at Kidcraft?
2: Um. Let's see. I'm trying to. So I've been I've been working at Kidcraft for. Let's see, like three and a half years. So it's it's like, you guys are like jogging my (laughs) around on on all these things. It's been a while. I had, so I had that tree fort idea. Actually, so so it was pretty cool how, how it all worked out. Um, I had, you know, a couple toy projects that were like smaller action figure or Hot Wheels style projects. And then I had this, this tree fort one. Um, so, everything's for kids, but kind of all over the map, like, you know, small indoor products and, like, big, large-scale outdoor stuff, and I was just, I was just applying for jobs at different um, toy companies, or just, actually, all kinds of companies. I was, I, was, I was applying. I was, like, wanting to get a job anywhere I could, um, so I was, I was applying to all kinds of places all over the U.S., And finally I applied at this one, that was a, it was, you know, the small toy company, smaller toy company in Dallas, and um, um, they had actually just acquired an outdoor play set company, so they had just gotten into creating swing sets and forts and playhouses, and they had already been making toys for a long time, so they had this new category of outdoor kids products, this long-standing category of indoor products, and... I think I kind of just uh, like had a portfolio that that matched the kind of thinking they were looking for at the right time and I was very very fortunate to get hired by by um, people who you know were willing to take a chance on on a younger grad um, and you know in, invest in me and from there they, they just kind of saw my portfolio and I think I think it was just what they were they were looking for at that time in in uh, the company's history and, mm.
1: And they, they gave, me, gave me a shot, and it's, it's been working out. That's really uh, sweet. Yeah. It
0: seems like you have to do, like, you know, obviously every designer has to take into account the emotion that their product is going to, like, evoke from the people using it, but it seems like that's kind of something that's more at the forefront of your mind when you're working with kids who, you know, don't always care about the function. It's all about, you know, the way that it stimulates them and makes them feel so like how have you how have you worked through that
2: yeah that's that's interesting you you point that out like um because toys you know are like at the end of the day like a huge aspect of it is like they're supposed to be fun they're supposed to just be a good time um and that's like like exactly like you said that's the thing like you want something you design to evoke when when it's put in a backyard or put in a kid's playroom or bedroom or whatever, like you want, at the end of the day, you want a kid to see it and experience it and be, and just like, just feel something as simple as as joy and fun when they're playing with it. But at the same time, it's a really easy thing to forget about when you're when you're designing and like you're kind of in the weeds of like, oh this thing costs too much and oh, like this doesn't meet safety standards and like oh how are we gonna how's marketing gonna handle it like you you start worrying about all these like really um like nitty-gritty details um but you have to you do have to remind yourself like all the time like okay wait pause, like is this thing fun like are, are we having a good time with this is this is this product gonna like bring joy to people and if if that's not the case then like like okay, let's let's back up and, and figure out how to make this thing fun. We I mean obviously we still have to make sure it it costs the right mm-hmm. amount of money and you know it's it's safe. We do have to figure out all these things, but like if it's not fun, like um, you know if it's not meaningful to kids, then then we're kind of wasting our time. So that is yeah, the emotions of it are very important mm. and easy for e- easy to forget about um, all at the same time.
0: Yeah, have you actually been able to like see pictures of like the some of the forts that you've worked on, like, put up in people's yards and, like, kids playing in them?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. Not – well, okay. I guess I've never had the – well, <laughs> <hang on. laughs> I'm all over the place. So, so a lot of times when we're driving around, um, we'll see we'll see products that, that have – that are either made by KidCraft that were, like, have been in our, um, like, I guess, catalog for, for a long time. Or, or we'll see stuff that I actually – got to be a part of designing um, in people's backyards, and that's really, really fun to see. Um, I don't have that many, like I only have uh, like two nieces and a nephew that are about the age that would we'll be playing with, with our products. and they live really far away, so I don't get to see them that much. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, I don't like run into to kids playing with our, our products very much. Um, but it is fun to see them out in the wild in people's backyards every now and again and and when we're when we're working on products sometimes we'll have kids come in and just test stuff out and like we've got kid models come in that will do like photo shoots with our products but they're playing with it and having a good time and Mm -hmm. that's always fun to see like it's it's like it's a good like um, kind of grounding thing to to see children playing with your products because that's like I mean that's that's the reason, like, you're doing what you do, Mm. so it's, it's, it's nice to see that, and I wish, I wish we had more experiences to, to kind of watch the end result, but sometimes, Mm. sometimes you're just so busy with the, the day-to-day stuff, you don't get to, you know, take a step back and enjoy that.
0: Yeah, for sure, that's awesome.
1: I'm sure as, you know, as you get older and stuff like that, you'll be able to enjoy more and more of that, um, in the future, but, um, there's something so, like, Primal, and <laughs> this is probably not the best word, but just about a, a kid's interaction uh, with a product, or even with their imagination in a way. Because um, I think back to my days as a kid, and luckily we had friends that had uh, a forest in their backyard, so we'd always go back and build forts and have battles um, <laughs> in our heads, even though we're like throwing like a berry at each other. But might as well have been like <laughs> yeah, a sniper a a sniper rifle. But um, yeah, yeah. Doing really. stuff like that or, you know, pea shooters, anything. Like, we were always messing messing around, doing crazy stuff. And a lot of the time, um, a product wasn't a part of that. So how do you take – like, there were times we played with toys, but when we went outside, often it was just, like, getting your knees grass-stained and doing stuff like that.
2: Yeah. Like,
1: how do you, like – how do you basically justify giving the kids a product – um, that can make their imagination go even further than just like a stick and a few blades Mm. of grass?
2: Mm. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And that's, I feel like that's one I, I kind of struggle with Mm. daily. Cause like, I'm the same way. Like when I was, I think, I think like a lot of, a lot of people played all, all different kinds of ways. Some people like were deep into the Legos and, and other toys. Some people like, some kids just like, played in the woods their entire life. I, I mostly I was kinda like you where like we had a creek in our backyard and like we were just building building bridges over the creek all day, um, and like just making up imaginary like situations. It, it, it was always
1: so important. If you remember like when you were a kid, like it was important. Like I had an older brother and the friends you played with, there was two of them. We were like about the same age. The older brothers bossed us around and it was urgent. Like we had to get this bridge <laughs> done, even though it would be gone by the next oh, time we yeah. were there. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah it was the play was play was serious business yeah. <laughs> and your
2: your stick your stick was serious yes. business oh, yeah. like having a good stick not ev- all sticks were not equal <laughs> no. in any way and if like somebody broke like your best stick like
1: oh, man. <laughs> I did like, that
2: they might as well <laughs> <laughs> my oh my brother man. Were... you probably lost a friend
1: yeah yeah it was my brother and uh I hit it on a tree and it snapped down the middle I think uh, a good he's... stick if it was a good stick it wouldn't have broken. That's not. Oh, mm. <laughs> that's a fair
2: point. No, no, but I feel like I feel like that is like something I think about a, a lot. Is like how do you how do you make products that are better than like sticks and rocks, <laughs> which sounds funny to some people. But I'm like, I'm like, like kind of the best like tools for imagination have like already already been supplied, um, you know, in nature and and we already have like the best the best stuff to work with. Like what's, you know, what's even the point of of (laughs) designing, designing more toys and products. Um, and I think that's a really good question. And so I guess, guess where I come to is I think there's a, a spectrum of, of play that happens Mm -hmm. that is, is goes from very unstructured to very structured. And I think, I think different kids land all over that spectrum um, for all kinds of reasons, some some kids are are kind of like you, you were describing Evan, where like you didn't need like any any rules, any instruction manual to to play. Like you just needed like the raw ingredients, and you were good to go. Um, but some kids really really thrive with like a more structured environment. They like want the they want the um, the instruction manual and the Lego Lego kit that like tells them how to make the Death Star, and like they really enjoy that kind of play um and i'll use legos as an example because i feel like they have found this this kind of sweet spot of of structured and unstructured where like when you when you're walking down the toy aisle as a kid you see like like a bionicle set and you're like that looks so cool like i want that Bionicles. I wanna build,
1: like, oh my god yeah i want to build <laughs>
2: uh i'm trying to remember their names tahoe no No, that's a place in California. (laughs) Tahoe. That was one Mm -hmm. of those. Anyway, you're like, I want to build that thing. That thing looks so cool. And like you buy the set. You follow the instruction manual. You're doing like what you're told. You're following the rules the whole time. But when you finish it, like you're done with it and you break it apart and like it goes into the Lego bin and then you just have like this mess of raw ingredients and you've learned how the the rules work of how things connect together. But now you can take Mm -hmm. that and you can make something... Really organic with it, you know, like the next time you you pull out your Lego set like you'll build like a, a skate park for like Martians yes. on Jupiter yeah. like you'll do something really wacky, you know um, and and like it moves from that 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 place on the spectrum where it's very guided and maybe very attractive and like really enticing on the the t- in the toy aisle to something that's really organic that like kids might not see initially, but they they kind of learn to. To follow, and then they're coming up with their own, their own games and their mm-hmm. own play. And to me, that's like, that's where I want all kids to be playing because mm-hmm. I think that's where they're they're learning the most, and and that's like, that's the kind of play that I think respects what they're capable of the most. Mm. Um, so I, I guess I guess to bring it back to like what I do, um, I want I want to make things that will will look good and look exciting, on a shelf at the store. Um, that a, that a kid or a parent will see and be like, oh, Mike, I can see my kid doing that. that. That looks like so much fun. But then when they take it home and they build it and they've they've played it a couple times, like maybe the original way it was designed, like I want it to be loose enough that it can be, it can become something else. Hmm. Like they can build their own wacky games into it that I never could have imagined, and they're just supplied with like enough enough loose parts to kind of move on that scale from very structured to to unstructured
0: yeah i but, remember as a kid like you would get a lego set and you'd build it and you'd be like protective of it you don't want anyone to like break it but uh-huh. it only takes one <laughs> yeah. time for someone to like step on it or break it and then you're like you know what i really <laughs> like that i feel like i can use that uh and you just mm-hmm. start making something totally different so that's really cool that, yeah. that you consider that that sort of philosophy while you're making stuff
1: i i yeah. I can still feel like my raw fingertips and hand from like digging my hand through the Lego <laughs> bin yeah the sound yes looking for that one through that him. one piece but some a, a thought came to mind when you were talking about it also just the smile that I have on my face laying on his, on his face and like all of us we're all smiling because we're just thinking about back to those memories that we had as a kid um, in that pure just expression before you start questioning why you do things, you just do things because you want to, you're pretending that you're doing something or, that's an important part of growing up and becoming an adult. And in the same way, not only do the toys have a benefit for the kids, but it can also bring so many memories and stuff for the parents, you know? like. Mm-hmm. there there's something that looking back at like old photo albums you know and you'll see pictures of a, a toy that you completely forgot about then all of a sudden a wave of nostalgia and memories of what you were doing there
0: yeah
1: and the parents will remember that like oh I remember that toy like we had to get it for Christmas you wanted it so bad you know stuff like that and that's something that you don't see in a lot of other industries and that often mm-hmm. I don't give a lot of Uh, give a lot of credit for me i'm like oh utility function this that but there's something so pure you know in in that nostalgia in that um remembrance of what the way things used to be in that you know state you're in at the time and i don't know i think that's something really important that i hadn't really given enough credit to until you know we were just talking right now it really just kind of started to click a little bit yeah
2: yeah this is this is kind of a segue off that but i uh I think uh, toys are interesting because, um, at least in like in toy sales, kids don't have, I mean, kids might get like a small allowance, (laughs) but like they they can't, they can't afford, like they're not buying all their Christmas presents, you know, like they, they, they'll, they'll tell their mom and dad what, what they want for, for their birthday or Christmas or whatever. But like, ultimately, like the parents are the ones with the wallets that are, that are choosing what they're going to spend their money on, especially when kids are really young. Um, so, it's interesting, like, you're designing something for children, but you also have to convince the parents that, that like, it's, it's a good toy. Yeah. And, anyway, nostalgia is, like, a very common way to, like, loop in parents. Because if parents see it, they're like,
1: oh, like,
2: <laughs> man, I remember playing with that when I was a kid. That's so cool that they, like, came out with the next version of it. Like little Timmy has to have this just like we had like, mm. so anyway, that's, that's funny. It is such a powerful emotion. Cause I think it's something we all, we all like relate to yeah. like, like the, the fun we had playing when we were kids. And anyway, it's, it's something we, we also use to, to like encourage people to, to invest in, in a toy that was, they, they found, you know, meaningful to them and could be meaningful to their own kid.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think forts or and playhouses and things like that are like an especially great way to do that because it does bring back kind of that unstructured kind of play that probably more parents have experienced than you know sitting most of their time on you know some sort of device with a game that's yeah. very structured and has very strict rules and ways <clears throat> that you can interact with it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I remember, but it's. There's a lack of structure, but I think the beautiful part of it is the structure that kids start to, like, give it. They start to come up with rules and things, and you're cheating, you're this, you're that, you know, and you're a kid. You're, you're <laughs> yeah. learning kind of the way to socialize in, in life, you know, at a very young age. Um, and it's pretty cool how mm-hmm. toys can be kind of like a facilitator to that. Um, cause, yeah. Because we had, like, I remember now. See, this is what I'm talking about. Like, I'm just all of a sudden, all these memories are flooding back. But, like, we had a toy shopping cart that we probably used for pretend grocery shopping one time because I'm one of three boys. And we had another thing that was like a little scooter you'd sit on and, like, go across. But my brothers and I, <laughs> we would put on plastic football helmets that we would get from, like, those NFL kits. <laughs> and mm-hmm. the old brother. He was on one side, then we were on the other side, and we would push each other full speed with, of course, wearing our safety helmets that had probably a millimeter <laughs> thick of foam padding on the inside, full speed, and just ram into each other. <laughs> and that actually, that is for a point. So society has changed a lot since when we were kids, right? Um, mm-hmm. A lot of kids were playing football, contact sports, different things like that, video games were kind of nerdy, and then now, we've kind of seen, seen the shift to... Video games are mainstream. Parents aren't having their kids do contact sports. Um, it, you're seeing kind of a change where kids are spending a lot more time inside because of kind of the parent just evaluating risk and thinking, like, this is the same thing. They're staying entertained, right? What has your job looked like kind of competing, which I feel like your industry's biggest competitor right now is like the video game slash tablet internet industry right now. How do you guys mm-hmm. address societal shift that's happened since we were kids
2: yeah there's oh man there's so much to that um if if you don't mind i'm gonna go back and talk about what you what you mentioned about um like your style of play with your (laughs) brothers like like you know doing doing stuff that seemed ridiculous like sitting in a shopping cart and ramming into walls (laughs) um i think i think a lot of times we don't we don't give that enough credit for like how, how meaningful, even though it seems really silly, that is for, for kids. One thing I've, I've learned in like doing research for work is that s- like so much of what kids do when they're playing is that they're, they're learning really important life skills and how to handle them in what is really like a pretty safe um, environment so that they they'll be able to handle these situations better as they as they grow up. So it's like an important part of our our biology to you know to learn like okay what what hurts when I when I when we play like rough rough play like like what can I do like when I'm playing with someone that um, like how far how far can we go before like I hurt someone's feelings or before I break the rules or before I make someone mad and like how do I control my own emotions? How do I control my own body as I'm like growing into this, <laughs> this this new world? And I'm I'm rushing down slides, and I'm swinging on things, and I'm running really fast. Um, how am I controlling my emotions? Like kids, kids like to put themselves in environments where they they feel a little bit of fear. That's why they love like chase, like that feeling of being chased, and someone's right behind you, about to tag you. Um, because they're all doing these things to like to simulate um, experiences that that uh feel dangerous or and could be in some ways like kids kids can get hurt playing these ways, but like the consequences in the grand scheme are like like a skin to knee yeah. you know and and some tears but they're they're not that serious, and they're learning to do those things and practicing them so that when they're older and they're driving cars and and or or have like you know adult relationships they've they've practiced these on really really small levels and mastered them so that when they're older they can they can make good and healthy decisions and, and protect themselves physically and emotionally. So anyway, all those things that like seem silly, that we're really worried about kids taking part in, are kind of like an important part of their, their development to protect them when they're when they're older. And I think it, it is a bummer that you know we get so worried about some of these things. Some of them for good reason, but some of them I think we're taking away kids ability to make those make those decisions for themselves in a low stakes scenario. Um, the way that they're you know they're best designed to um because we're afraid of what might happen um but anyway that's that's a big there's a lot a lot of different <laughs> different thoughts on that and like you know how you know how much freedom is too much freedom and and whatnot um but anyway your your original question was about uh was about like how how we you know how we make toys in a world that is increasingly more you know, inside and on devices. Um, and I, I think, I think you're right that, um, like more, like kids are spending a lot of time inside and iPads are crazy popular. Um, but I think at the same time, um, a lot of parents, like they know that, that it's good for Kids to spend time outdoors and to be playing imaginatively and to play in unstructured ways. Um, so it's kind of I think it's an easy argument for us to make. Like when we're when we're trying to like put out products that are that are meaningful for kids. Like if you if you show a parent like, would you rather have your kid, you know, playing outdoors and making up like magical scenarios in their tree fort, or would you rather have them like playing this stupid game on their iPad? Mm. <laughs> like parents would be like, oh, like obviously I want them to. Be playing outside and being imaginative. So I don't, I don't think it's a hard argument to make, um, to convince people that it's, it's good for them. Um, but I think, I think it, it probably is harder in the day to day for parents to, to kind of make that decision to, you know, encourage their, their it, kids to, to yeah. do things more imaginatively, imaginatively. Cause I, I, I'm sure it requires a lot more work on their yeah. parents, parents part. It's probably a lot easier to give give your child an ipad than to you know you know worry about them getting getting all dirty outside and then having to clean their clothes with, with from the mud stains and and get them a band-aid when they when they fall off their scooter mm-hmm. and so i'm sure there's there's more effort into it but i i think people at least at least know that one is is more helpful for their, mm-hmm. their development than the other
0: yeah and i think it's it's interesting can, can I'm just thinking back to what something that you said earlier. You said that, you know, there are these companies now that are making plans for really fancy tree houses that are designed for adults. And I think like as adults kind of experience the shift from unstructured play and now they're in a structured job and even their off time is very structured, like that desire for more more unstructured time, more unstructured activity you know, and I think that's one of the, yeah. the big draws to, you know, camping and being outdoors is like, once you're out there, you're like, mm. oh man, what do we do? So like me and my friends will make tea out of like just whatever trees and flowers we find around. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, usually it's pretty gross, but sometimes it yeah. ends up okay.
2: Yeah, but it's kind of fun just to figure it
0: out. Yeah, for sure. And so I think like Parents, I think they are realizing that, and I think as iPads become more and more prevalent, more popular, and kind of the the standard, I think parents are kind of, like, realizing their own desire for unstructured play and kind of, like, connecting the dots and saying, oh, well, I want that for for my kid as well.
2: Yeah, and I, I think, I mean, we're, like, so, we're so early in, like, the world of, like, technology, you know? like we're just we're just figuring out like you know how how useful some of these these tools can be and and then like how like dangerous they can be at the same time and i don't know i think we're we're going through like the growing pains of like how how can be how can tech be used meaningfully for for kids and adults um and like like when is it useful when is it when is it kind of debilitating um and I don't know. We're, I think I think maybe in a in a couple of years we'll kind of have a better grasp on like, like wh- what's what's a healthy amount of time to to spend on on our phones, or for our, our kids to spend on tech. And, and and there's even cool stuff coming out in tech. I think I think Minecraft is kind of a cool,
1: yeah, a
2: cool uh, a game in that like it kind of has that. It's like taking those that idea of structure and unstructured. It's giving you some rules of how, how it works. But it seems very creative in the mm-hmm. gameplay of, like, yeah. all, the, all the different things you can do with it. And I think they're taking some of those those meaningful um, sides of play and incorporating it into into tech. And I, I think that's cool. So, I think it's, it's really... It'll be interesting to see, like, where things are in just, like, five or ten years.
1: Yeah. A few things just in the world are very concerning to me, as are... There's a lot of things <laughs> right now that aren't going too well. But, like we're now getting to the age where lane and i you know we're nearing the end of the kids that remember when there was one one computer in the household that was like the one everybody shared their work on there was one this one that like we're kind of ending that time to the point of personal um computers where kids growing up and graduating college have never known a time without wi-fi different things like that um And we're seeing adults entertain themselves more and more on these digital devices instead of doing different activities that you know we see adults do i i kind of feel like this isn't my own thought but we're seeing adults sometimes not all of them but kind of go into this state of i just want to be entertained and just like turn off my mind and part of growing Mm -hmm. up and maturing is turning on your mind which is why I feel like it's important not to have your kid watching Baby Shark on the baby seat on a grocery <laughs> cart but, but learning that you can't cry because you didn't get the cereal that you wanted but I guarantee you mm-hmm. a lot of parents would substitute the crying for a quiet kid if it meant that they would just be entertained on their device while they're in the grocery cart um, and so that's mm-hmm. just something like in general that just like concerns me about where I see where I see it going to the point where kind of like the uh um, a brave new world like the Aldous Huxley um world of just (laughs) being stimulated all the time right and not in the right way just the in just the good but like I feel like as as we I feel like people realize especially Christians realize the importance of your trials and like what that can bring and when you're a kid trials look different than when you're an adult uh, and I don't really know how this relates back <laughs> to children's toys. No, I like it. We're getting philosophical. Well, it, but that's something that's been really like on my heart a lot recently is just mm-hmm. how products can be used for good um, and how you can incentivize people to almost – incentivize people to do things that might not scratch their most – like the itch that – they think they need scratch, but actually is like more challenging to them or more inspirational or gets them thinking. Um, I don't know. It's stuff I haven't really thought through. And if you have any thoughts on what I just said, I'd absolutely love it. Cause I'm kind of just, you know, saying crazy stuff right now.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I hear, I hear what you're saying. I think like, especially as as it relates to kids. Cause I, I think I, I see it the same way where I'm like, you know I, I i'm discouraged sometimes by um like how much how much time kids will spend on on an ipad or, or whatever or data i see but i i also want to be like I, i'm not a parent <laughs> yeah. like i don't have a kid so like i i want to be um empathetic to like what it's like to be a parent today and i'm sure it's like i it, i mean it sounds like an incredible amount of work um that like would would make it really challenging to um to to you know raise up a human being in this world and and always always be like trying to encourage them and give them the best tools to to succeed and i think it'd be, it would be it'd be exhausting to <laughs> to try and um to like never you know you know never give my kid a an ipad or or whatever um i'm sure that would be like very difficult to do um so I don't I never sometimes when I when I think about it I like you know I, I'm like oh, pa- parents these yeah. days they're like so so lousy but then I'm like man I'm on my phone like all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like, and so You're so exactly anyway right. I, I try to think back to to like okay like what am I doing personally to to challenge myself and like you said like like it's it's that scratch that's that's deeper than like I just need to be entertained. Even if even if like a Netflix show would would occupy my mind for an hour, um, like trying to think about ways to model it myself, like just for my own development and like for one day when when I have kids, like I don't I don't want to see them see have them see me on my yeah. phone all the time and be like oh like that's what dad does he's just always on his phone <laughs> like I want a phone I want to. I hope to be a, a parent um, and even now just be a, a person who um, is using his time you know meaningfully and in with purpose um, and, and anyway I don't know where i'm I'm going with all this but <laughs> like,
1: neither did I, man like, no I guess worries. I guess, I guess that. that's, that's
2: where I come ba- come back to is like like what do, what do I want to see like changing and then be like, okay, but am I how much of that am I doing and then and then you know trying to trying to tackle it you know with my with my my own heart and myself Mm -hmm. and you know trying to model it for for people here in the present and future children um thinking about it that way yeah but yeah there's there's it's it becomes a it can become uh what's the word just a lot to think about like like how much how much there is to change oh
1: yeah absolutely that's something that I've been trying to do personally like I recently like found out that there's an app that allows you to like rent library books like just on your phone and just read library books for free and it's great Um, and in the same way I am reading a book about framing and the whole idea is framing problems correctly right because Mm -hmm. if you frame the issue with a developing child as They're not happy because they're not being entertained or need to entertain them. Entertaining-wise, there's very basic things that you can do to get them entertained. But if you frame it as, how can I develop this child to be a well-rounded, well-adjusted adult, that kind of frames the situation differently. But I feel like uh, what I see happening a lot is that people are framing the issue. as in Okay, let me say... I have a lot of empathy for parents going through it because I guarantee I'm going to make so many mistakes whenever or it, that, that happens.
2: Yeah, yeah we're going to listen to this podcast when we have yeah. kids in a couple of years and be like... Oh <laughs> Idiots. <laughs> what did we know?
1: Those blue skies. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's one of those things that it's so, it's so easy. This, is, this goes from young to old, but to be caught up in the moment, uh, to get too caught up in the short term that you kind of forget the long term. There's value in both. There's value in focusing on a task and completing it, but there's also value in having the big picture in mind. So I guess that's kind of my mm-hmm. thought on it. The book is literally called Framers, if anybody's listening, that is looking for a good book, especially if you're a designer. Um, it's not a design book necessarily. It talks about science, all that stuff, um, medicine. Um, but it's a very good book, and it's been really informative. So a little plug.
0: That's her advertiser. Yeah, that's That's her our, our <laughs> advertiser, even though they're not paying
1: for it.
2: <laughs> yeah, how much do you get paid for that one? That's
0: funny. Free plugs. Uh, but that's fascinating, like, you talk about framing the problem, and, like, when you are in the moment where you have the real problem, the, the way that is most intuitive is just to solve the most immediate problem. Yeah. But I think kind of like what you're talking about, Evan, is, like, making sure that you're – you're asking the right questions and framing the problem correctly is like how do I actually solve the the biggest problem I can in this moment so like you know you say that most people are asking how do they entertain their kids but the the exercise of parenting is like how do I make a good person mm. and so if you kind of come at it from that bigger perspective, you know you can you can come up initially it's more daunting because you have more solutions that are out there. You know, there are lots of different ways to become a good person and there are fewer ways to just be entertained. But I think the, the reward is that you accomplish something and you create uh, value that you'll see later on down the line. You know, whether or not you can recognize it. And it's just all those, those little problems that are annoying, but are opportunities to like, make a bigger impact uh you know further on down the line
1: Hmm.
2: yeah that seems like that's such a that just seems like such a tricky discipline that book sounds sounds really interesting like but just being able to like be able to stop and have the patience like in in so many decisions every day to think about like okay like wait pause like why am i feeling this way like what am i actually trying to fix that's Mm. That's, that's something I don't, yeah. I don't do very often. I'm like, I want this now. Yes. Yes. <laughs>
1: I'm going to do this to me. And it, so. can be, it can be crippling sometimes thinking too big picture. Because then a little bit of that existential nihilist that can creep up in me sometimes. <laughs> I'm, I'm just like, what does it all matter? But then, you know, you, you quickly bring yourself yeah, yeah. back down to earth. But there are times, it, it's important to ground yourself as well in the moment every once <laughs> yeah. in a while. But you uh, you don't, don't want to be that guy who's constantly like, why are we yeah <laughs> <laughs> everyone's like we're not hanging out <laughs> luckily having a Christian worldview helps <laughs> because you can get to the point if yeah. you're outside of that then things would start being very deconstructed as we're seeing a lot in society I would say right now um, to a point mm. where there's a lack of of truth and guidance uh, in our lives mm. uh, and so I'll, I'll draw this into into your uh, experience Drew um how do you find yourself, to use the language that we've been using, framing um, toys that you designed? What problem do you try to keep with you throughout a process?
0: Hmm.
2: That's a good question. I feel like it's something I don't, I'll be honest, I don't, I don't think about it enough with every, every um, project in practice. I think but I think what I've learned especially just from from like researching you know kids needs I want I do want like every every product that I design to to ultimately um I guess I guess be respectful toward kids and that might sound like a funny like phrase for it but I think I think kids are are capable of mm-hmm. of doing and, and growing in ways that, like, we don't really need to push them as much as we just need to, like, facilitate and kind of get out of the way. Mm-hmm. Like, kids know how to play better. Like, adults aren't, frankly, that good at playing. Like, they kind of suck at it. Like, kids kids are way more creative than than we can try to be. And when we, like, try to insert ourselves in and tell them what to do, like, we, we kind of ruin the fun. <laughs> Um, but anyway, like I, th- and that's why I say like respecting what what kids do and what they're capable of, because um, I think they have, they have um, the capabilities themselves. Um, they and th- those things can just be facilitated with, with with tools, and those tools for me are are toys that I I get to be a part of in design. So, so yeah, I guess I guess the question or the. I don't know if it's a question but like kind of the, the premise to start each one um, that I, I try to keep in the top of mind but don't always is like is like you know how how can we make th- this thing be respectful toward kids and, and what they're capable of and, and just encourage that and
0: kind of get out of the way rather than interfere with that's really cool practice and kind of a, a humbling reminder for sure that you know, as much as we've matured as people, like there's something really valuable about that, that childlike wonder. So as we kind of like wrap this interview up, there's a couple questions that Evan and I like to ask uh, a lot of the people that have graduated from the ICC. um, And they are like, if you could go back and kind of like do one thing differently, what would it be? And then what's one piece of advice that you would give to current students like us?
2: I think if I if I could go back I don't know I so I don't I don't I mean I don't mean this in a in a weird way. I don't have a lot of regrets for my time there. I really really enjoyed it and tried to take advantage of of everything I could while I was there um I, I wish I would have learned solid <laughs> if I could go back and be like way better at SolidWorks, uh man that would have that would save me a lot of pain on my first job <laughs> so so maybe that maybe if I just paid more attention in those classes I was like I was like I was like all into the, the hand sketching and stuff I was like Psh, I'll just be a a designer who draws, all the time. <laughs> and that's that wasn't the reality. So maybe maybe I'd uh, invest a little more time there. Um, um,
0: what was the other? What was the second part of the question? Like, what's one piece of advice? Something that you've learned at the ICC that you would want current students to know while they're there.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think, I think the ICC will like at least during my time there, you really got as much out of it as you were willing to put into it. Mm. Um and and I think that's true with pretty much anything in life. Um like if you wanna like thrive and, and do well and learn a lot, like the tools are there, you know? There's like there's great great professors and great resources um to really take advantage of and and you know they they're not gonna like baby you along the way. You know, it's up to you to, to take advantage of it or not. Um, and you can, you can choose to kind of spend a lot of money wasting your time or, <laughs> or really, really get involved and in, in, um, really make the most of it. So I'd say, I would say make the most of, of everything you can while you're there, like time in the studio, getting to know the, the professors, um, like really putting everything into those projects um, there's something really fun about kind of how, um, like blue sky, a lot of them are and like, there's a lot of just fun opportunities there that, that you only get while, while you're in school and they're worth, they're worth really taking, taking the opportunities up. So I guess just, just invest your time well. And then, um, if you can after, after school, like be patient and and look for some like when you're looking for a job try to find like really invest in trying to find one you'll really love i think i think that's that's important this, this is more advice for for grads but um like take a long time thinking about like what do i what do i really want to do and what would i love doing um you i don't i think everyone there's kind of this myth that like you have to hate your first job <laughs> And you just gotta gr- grind it out for <laughs> yeah. for a year and a half, and then you'll find what you like um you know and i I can't speak for everybody I know some people like they gotta get a job they gotta be paying off student loans like it, it I can't say it's, it works for everybody, but like if you have the the time to to be patient and and find something you really like like really you know put your head down and work really hard for it um but also also like you know kind of res- respect yourself and, and go for something that that is really meaningful to mm-hmm. you
1: too I, I have two two questions kind of same vein as what Lane was talking about is there anything you do to like stay inspired or guide um, your basically your mind state you know like when you go into a design process is there anything that you do even in your free time um, to help inspire you and also, Another question is, um, if you ha- uh, had stress and stuff during the job search process, how would you handle it, or how were you able to be patient and wait for the right opportunity? Mm. So, well, to answer your first question,
2: um, I think, I, think I, I, well, I like to stay inspired by, by doing other, other creative right. work. That might be related to to the work I do, but might be totally different. Um, it's like, it's. I think it's really refreshing to. Probably for any any like creative people who like to make things, um, to kind of do some some unstructured work, like like when when you when you have a job, you'll have a lot of a lot of guidelines and a lot of restrictions and a lot a lot of things you have to like a lot of boundaries you have to work within. Um, which can which can help with, help come up with creative solutions, but sometimes it can be exhausting too. And I think it helps in your free time to like have something else to to enjoy. Like whether that's like I I like to to refinish furniture sometimes. Um, I but I pretty much or or just make random artwork. But I pretty much always have a a background project going on at all times that I'm like, halfway, halfway involved in, so, like, every time I'm, like, burned out from a a project at work, I can go do something I love that, like, gets me re-energized, and is usually completely unrelated to kids or toys. Um, the other thing is I like to, I like to research, um, stuff, like, that is, is kind of related, but I don't get enough time to learn about during my actual work, so, like, I'm going to plug a book right now. (laughs) Hopefully they'll pay me for this one. But uh, my wife, Allie, got me this book. Uh, It's called The Design of Childhood. Oh, that's cool. Um, And I've been reading this and this is just like, just, this one for, like, is just about kind of all, like, the philosophy and, um, and like, the the development of kids and how, how products have, have influenced that through the years. But anyway, reading stuff like that, kind of, I don't have time to like, read a whole book you know, during the work day, I've got to, I've got to like you <laughs> know, work on, work on projects and stuff. So, <laughs> so if, if you enjoy like the, the work you do, but don't always have time to, to do the things that in- inspire you, like I like mm-hmm. to, you know, kind of like read inspirational things. It sounds like kind of you're doing the, a similar thing, Evan, like trying, you know, re- reading stuff that you might not have time to do, but that's still creative and yeah, kind of refreshes you. Yeah.
1: Um, and then how you, how did you handle the stresses was. if you had them?
2: Oh, okay, okay, yeah, dude, it was such a grind after <laughs> after graduating. I had this like, I had this idea that like I would graduate from college and like and like. Steve Jobs would be knocking on my door. i like, be like, "Dude, we need you to design the next iPhone." Like, I saw I saw your Behance page. Like, it's incredible. I don't relate <laughs> like, too much to that. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I thought like everyone would like it'd be so easy to find a job, um, and and it was it was pretty humbling because like I I graduated, um, I moved back home into my parents' house, and then. Like, I didn't even unpack my suitcase because, like, I was, like, telling my mom and dad, like, I'm only going to be here for, like, a week and then I'm going to get a job (laughs) offer and I'll be out of here. And, like, a week went by and then a month went by and then they're, like, maybe you should, like, work at the coffee shop nearby while you're looking for a job. And I was, like, fine. Like, this is stupid, but whatever. And then – and anyway, you know, that turned into, like, you know, a month and two months and and eventually eight months I was at home just, like, every day – um, like like working at the coffee shop coming home and applying for jobs and uh, it sucked I was <laughs> I was really discouraged and bummed out but um, I just I want like I, I prayed a lot for like a good a really good job um, as like as a Christian I, I believe that like God gives gives us good gifts when we ask for them
0: mm-hmm.
2: and I think it's important to, to ask for them um, and like not be like, you know, just trying to scrape like the bottom of the barrel of whatever, but like knowing that if if God loves us and he's a he's a father, like why wouldn't he want to give us great things, mm-hmm. especially if we if we act so I you know I was I was praying about it regularly. Um and then like practically I I have this um had like a, a moleskin notebook and I would just Tom Balliott told me to do this. To like to write down every job I applied for and like make a little list, like the job I applied for if I heard back, um, if I, uh, got an interview and I just like, like one by one, I was applying for like a couple each week and I got this list of like, I think like 80 oh, jobs no. and like, <laughs> and, like, like 10 of them had even responded with an email. Like I was, I would get excited to the point where I get excited when I just got a rejection email. Cause it'd be like, they got back. To yes. me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, Um, but I don't know like was something this might sound weird and maybe I'm like maybe I'm psycho but like there was something like that pumped me up about seeing how many jobs I applied for even Mm. if I got like rejected by so many of them I'd be like I applied to 75 jobs (laughs) so like like seeing the progress um, in like a physical way on a sheet um, was somehow motivating to me and I don't know if that's good advice for everybody but I I, I found it helpful and I Mm. think I think it's always good to keep track of those things so I don't know yeah like like you know ask for those good jobs and and then really like work your work your butt off to to try to make them make them Mm -hmm. happen
1: yeah and I feel like that's something valuable about you know praying like for a job or something like that while you do that you also realize the responsibility that you have you know in it it's not just like you're sitting there sit on your hands waiting for something to happen It's, like, this cool symbiotic thing that goes on um, when you're able to just, like, realize that it's kind of out of your hands. Um, Like, this semester, Mm -hmm. interviewed for an internship, didn't get it. I was heartbroken. I was like, darn it. Like, I really – because that was my only shot. I had applied to probably nearly 20 places for an internship this summer. They were the first ones that got back to me. I ended up not hearing back from all but, like, three, and they're all no's. Then I came home this summer, and out of the blue, an opportunity presented myself, presented it to me. It was not me at all, and it ended up being a better internship than I imagine practically any of the others could have been, um, in many ways. And it's just it's very humbling to kind of realize how many times it like God's got your back, you know, through it all, and yeah. the responsibility, and basically that God I think will reward your hard work and determination and your stuff. here like, that's part partially where this podcast came from, was I'm like, if I don't have a job this summer, I'm going to make the most out of it. And I feel like I've loved talking to everyone and getting to learn so much and meeting people and building connections and everything like that. So it's it's been really great, a really great experience that I didn't expect to begin with. Yeah, totally. All right. Um, do you have anything else you, you want to share or anything like that? Um, I didn't pre- prepare a, any kind of monologue. I feel like
2: I'm, I've probably gone too long on too many questions. No, not at all, man.
1: <laughs> not at all. Well, I got to say again, I really appreciated talking to you. Glad, glad you uh, agreed to go on this podcast. And um, I'm really thankful for all the advice you gave. I feel like it's going to be really valuable um, and help me and Lane through our journey and anybody who's listening I think my grandma might be our number one listener but that's okay Uh, (laughs) might help them in their future career you never know you never know uh, what what what's on the other side of that door so alright that's it for this episode of Industrial Design Journey and we'll be back again soon with another episode
0: peace